0: Counseling from Biblical Narratives on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. this week on the podcast, I am delighted to have with us Dr. Keith Palmer. Keith is a dear friend of mine and has been for several years. He is down in Fort Worth, Texas area. As a matter of fact, he's an associate pastor at Grace Bible Church in Granbury, Texas. He helps to lead the CBCD, one of our training centers down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Any of you who are down in that area, I would recommend that you go find some training down there with Keith and several other guys who represent our training center there. And he's married to Lisa, has three kiddos, and he's one of our board members and fellows. So in effect, he's sort of one of my bosses. So this will be a fun conversation as we talk about biblical narratives. And Keith, you know what's interesting is we we talk often in biblical counseling about needing to counsel from the whole of the counsel of God's word. And sometimes we fail to do that. Right. We 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 like to run to the imperative passages. We we like to run to the promises of God. And, and we often forget that much of the Bible is written in narrative form. And the, the scriptures tell us that it's for our instruction as well. And so I want us to talk through this today about how we use the whole of the counsel of God, particularly the narratives, and how do we counsel from the narrative? So let's start by just saying what in the world are we talking about relative to narratives in scripture?
1: Yeah. Thanks, Dale. It's great to be with you as always. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, not only does the Bible have a lot of stories in it, the Bible comprehensively is one big story, creation, fall, redemption. Sometimes we summarize it in that way. And then within that larger story are these historical narrative accounts of God working in the lives of people. So when we're thinking about biblical narratives, we're thinking about the stories of the Bible. It's, it's the retelling of events, and various situations. And these are true historic accounts of events, although, you know, occasionally Jesus might tell a parable that's hypothetical, but, you know, these are historic stories in scripture. And I think most of us would be familiar, at least with some of those as we read the Bible.
0: What, what's interesting, maybe when we talk about narratives is we appreciate the experience that people have in them, but but maybe sometimes in counseling, we stay away from them because we're afraid that we're going to misinterpret what the Bible says, because we know it's really important that you can't give an application to someone if you don't interpret what the scripture is saying rightly. So, so help us to navigate some of that. What are some mistakes that people make often when trying to utilize narratives or trying to understand or interpret narratives and, and how do we avoid those mistakes?
1: Yeah. Biblical counselors have to be skilled. In rightly dividing the word of truth, that's a biblical command for all Christians, and and particularly those of us that are going to minister the word of God. And really, biblical narratives have a way of revealing the complexities of life and human nature in the context of the grander purpose of what God is working in the lives of people. So, there's a huge, huge opportunity there in the counseling room. But as you as you're indicating, often we get those narratives wrong. We misunderstand them. In fact, I feel like maybe biblical narratives are the most abused form of genre in the Bible. And maybe growing up, we get some of this. I think some of the children's ministry material, as much as we love children's ministry, can get those wrong. You know, David and Goliath, right? It's all about David's courage, you know, and, you know, the underdog winning kind of thing, right? We think of, you know, dare to be a Daniel and and being like these these men and women in scripture and just sort of turning them into superheroes, I remember one time seeing an advertisement for the Book of Ruth, and it was Ruth a love story. I'm not sure that's the intent of the Book of Ruth. So, so there's there there's many examples you we sounded could give kind of, of sure. About yes, that. <laughs> yes, yes, No, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> and I and I think Dale, I think the reason that we stumble over narratives are in part because we learn the stories as kids, and sadly, oftentimes the stories just get moralized as kids. And and when if you look at a lot of children's ministry material they rip out all the good stuff. They rip out theology. They rip out what it's teaching us about God and, and his purposes in our life. And it gets turned into a little moral lesson. So so some things we want to avoid that moralizing, right? Uh, you know, like when um, in the Joseph narrative, when the cupbearer forgets to tell the king about Joseph when he's in jail and we think, okay, we'll see, you know, forgetting is bad because other people can get hurt, right? Or or allegorizing scripture, you know, and and sadly people do that with the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2. That That's a historic narrative. That That's a really true retelling of how God created the world. And yet sometimes that gets allegorized. We can spiritualize the text. You think of David and Goliath, the, the five smooth stones. We probably all heard whole sermons on those five stones and what they represent, you know, courage and valor and trust in God. When the reality is he just picked up five rocks from the riverbed there. I think inappropriately personalizing, I was actually in a church, visiting a church one time that took some of the tabernacle narrative in the book of Exodus and used that as a basis for a church building campaign. And the the tagline was, let's go furnish the tabernacle. And it was horrible. But again, so, so those are some things, looking for hidden meetings, reading too much into details, importing meaning. Things like that, not honoring the historic and cultural context. So those are some things we want to try to avoid. Man, those are extremely helpful. And I, as I'm listening to you
0: describe that, I'm thinking these are pitfalls of the spirit of our age too. We, we are experiential people. We like to try and make meaning out of people's stories, and we we read that as if it's some sort of fairy tale novel, trying to import meaning into our own life. And man, there's a huge danger there. It is intended to reveal God. Uh, to help us to understand how he relates to his people and his world and so on. And and those are critical. So, so let's turn the corner. We've talked about some pitfalls, some things to avoid, which I think are really helpful. But now let's talk about principles of interpreting narratives appropriately. Because C- the end goal, again, is how do we counsel using these things? This is a necessary step in interpreting these things rightly. So what are some of those
1: principles? Yeah, I'll just do a few of these. But um, I mean, I think we start with the the basic goal of hermeneutics, and that is to understand the intent of the author, what we call authorial intent, right? What did the author mean to the audience that he wrote to? And that that's how we interpret the whole Bible. And that obviously applies to the story. So what did the author mean in giving the story? And, and within the genre of narrative, we, we got to remember a few things. Uh, number one, God is always the main character and the hero of the story even when there may be other players that are commendable or exemplary. And, and even God's the hero and the main character, even when he's not seemingly there, like in the book of Esther or like in other narratives where he doesn't show up as overtly as, as maybe in other stories. We also want to remember in narrative, the overall point or purpose of the story is usually in the big picture, not in the details. And, you know, think of reading a novel, think, think of watching a movie. You know, it's, it's the overall message that we're looking at it. We're not looking at one scene and looking at it over and over and over and over and and trying to get some significance in the details. What we're looking for is how those details serve the overall message of the book itself. Some neat things about what to pay attention to. Pay attention to the narrator, the one that's telling the story. The narrator often gives hints or clues to help the reader know how to think about or interpret the various events that happen in the story. So for example, when we read about King David and his account with Bathsheba, the narrator starts off by telling, now it's that season when the kings are supposed to be off in battle. And that's just like a side note, right, that we read, but that's actually telling the reader, hey, David's not where he's supposed to be. It's a setup, so to speak. So the narrator gives us background information about that. The narrator also gives us God's perspective on the story. And this is really interesting. So uh, like, for example, in Luke 18, verse nine, where Jesus is going to give the story about the the Pharisee and the tax collector. It tells us that Jesus told the parable for those who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Well, that's the whole point of the story. That's God's perspective. And then Jesus tells the parable. So we don't have to do a lot of, you know, what does this mean? Because God tells us through the narrator, what he means. And then another thing about the narrator is that he speaks with divine omniscience. The narrator knows things that nobody else knows, right? So like in Job 1 and 2, the whole account of the sons of God going before him and Satan coming. Well, you know, Job never knows that. All his friends don't know that. So the narrator tells us things that only God knows. Or like, for example, in Matthew, with the healing of the paralytic, where the narrator tells us that Jesus knew their thoughts. What was going on in their heart? Again, giving us God's perspective, uh, divine omniscience. There, so so many more things we could talk about. Paying attention to dialogue, the back and forth, character contrasts. You know, David and Goliath is really about the contrast between Saul and King David, and and the transition there, where where God removes the kingdom from Saul and gives it to David. And that story illustrates the fallacy of Saul and the heart of of King David toward the Lord. So those character contrasts are, are a feature there. Word pairs, questions, look for questions that happen. In the book of Job, one of the points that we're supposed to get in the book is that suffering causes us to ask questions that we ordinarily would not ask. And if you chart the well over a hundred questions that happen in that book, you realize some of the incredible things that God does in suffering to cause us to ask really important questions. So those are a few things we can pay attention to.
0: All right, so this is sort of like we're in counseling and we've gathered data, right? So we're, we're learning from the narrative passage. We, we've used principles to, to interpret the passage well. Now, what do we do with it? Right? That's really the question is okay, God, you, you've taught us about who you are. You, your word has been helpful. You've used what you've instructed your people with in the past. Now it is good instruction for us. So, how in the world do we take some of those principles and, and what we understand from scripture and now begin to use that in the counseling room?
1: Yeah, the first thing we need to do is, is pick the right narrative, which means we have to know our Bibles. We have to do all of this study ahead of time, the, the things we just talked about, so that we have some narratives that we really, really know well. We know their purpose. We know what they mean. We know how to teach them. And so that, that's really step one. We we have to choose a narrative. Uh, so, so some examples would be maybe a passage that reveals the character of God to a person who's struggling to know God accurately. And I think of like uh, Exodus 32 to 34, where the Israelites commit this great, blatant idolatry with a golden calf and and God re-gives the Ten Commandments and reiterates his character to Moses, a God of compassion and grace who's slow to anger in the context of this horrible sin. So that would be a good passage. Or maybe a passage that reveals a situation which, con- which connects with the counseling situation, like somebody who's struggling with bitterness looking at Ruth 1 with Naomi's bitterness and how God worked in that particular situation. Or this is, this is moving away from the main point of the story but maybe just a passage that illustrates how people respond to various life challenges like in Genesis 4 when Cain responds to disappointment with anger and depression so so we want to pick the right narrative then we want to obviously know the point know the story study it as i mentioned and then be careful here because if we're committing to narrative what we're saying is we need to pick up probably a larger chunk of scripture this isn't like an epistle where you know you can take a one verse that has a Great principle. It may be the the Joseph narrative is chapter thirty seven to fifty, so a larger portion. Make sure you're committed to doing that in counseling. It's worth it, but just make sure you know what you're getting into. And then I would just encourage you to help you know with the counseling read and reread the story, looking for some of these features. And, and as you read and reread the story, like watching a movie over and over, you you see the the points emerge. And then from that you moved into appropriate application, just like we would in normal ministry of the word. But, but that's, that's sort of what I would do in, in using narrative and counseling.
0: See, I love the way that you just talked about the, the preparation beforehand. Biblical counseling is not just about, hey, I'm going to remember sort of the surface things that I remember about the scriptures and just talk about those with the person who's hurting. It takes diligent work. It takes diligent study, especially if, if you're not the expert. And we're not as biblical counselors. We are those who try to be faithful to study the word. And narratives can be so rich in people identifying, you know, that that they've experienced something. They're not in isolation. They've experienced something that people experience in the scriptures. And that this God is the same God. He's not changed from what we see revealed in scripture. And what a helpful and hopeful thing. Keith, this has been good and one of the things that we struggle with that we need to grow in is even our our hermeneutics the way that we understand the scripture so that we rightly apply it. it is a necessary not an optional step it is a necessary step that we learn how to interpret the scriptures well in order to apply it appropriately to our own life and to the lives of other people so brother thank you for helping us to understand narratives a little bit better and appreciate those and use the whole counsel to counsel You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, today we talked about uh, a little bit further on how to counsel, and particularly how to counsel from narratives. And I want to encourage all of you to to grow. We we talked in this most recent season at our annual conference about instituting continuing education units. This is one of the reasons that I want to see our our people at ACBC continue their education, continue to grow in how they understand the scriptures. It is for reasons just like what Keith and I talked about today. I want to see people grow in the way that they understand different genres of scripture and the beauty of it and the way in which God has given it to us. And, and you can do that by going to some of our training centers, taking a, a, a course that they teach on hermeneutics and understanding the beauty of the study of Scripture and then implementing that into really critical issues that you'll see in the counseling room. And so this is motivation for you to utilize some of these continuing education units to go back to learn the intricacies and the beauty of studying the Scripture so that you can apply it well. So I want to remind you about that, if you're one of our certified members, that our training centers all across the the United States and in, in several other countries are offering continuing education units units. And I want to encourage you to go and pursue those units uh, from them. And you'll get some great teaching, just like what Keith talked about today. So will you go do that? Find out about our training from our over 80 training centers in the United States, where you can get some continuing education units, just like what we talked about today. And you can do that at biblicalcounseling.com.